I am not a cook. I can do Pop-Tarts well, peanut butter with most things very well, but I'm not a cook, but I am an eater. That's part of the gifting when you're called to preach by God. You're supposed to be nice occasionally, and you're supposed to be able to speak. You've got to be able to eat. That's part of, the, part of the calling. My wife is a good cook, and she likes to bake, which is good, isn't it? Good for me, not necessarily for you, but it's good for me. And we've got her where she's, she's baking cakes for us on Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday. And I don't, again, I don't know much about it except, you know, it tastes good. And another, there's some ingredients you've got to have. Again, I don't know what happens in the kitchen. I don't want to know what happens in the kitchen. I just want the end result, right? But I know if she doesn't have eggs, she's frustrated. Got to get eggs. Got to have sugar because any kind of cake's got to have sugar. Amen. And normally you got to have flour and stuff like that, but you, ha- you have to have that stuff. You got to have those in- essential ingredients, right? We're in Hebrews 11. We started back, golly, 1984, a sermon series out of Hebrews 11 on faith. The faith chapter, we're going to be in it tonight and next week, close it out. But I want us to see tonight how faith, and faith, here's how, here's how biblical faith is defined it's trust, it's commitment. It's dependency. When I have biblical faith in God, I trust Him, I commit myself to Him, I follow Him, I put my confidence in life in Him. That's salvation and that's in life. And I believe faith is essential to every part of our life as a believer. Let's look at four things tonight, and we'll begin with this. It takes faith to parent rightly. It, it takes faith to parent rightly. Now, some of you go, well, I haven't par- parented since the Civil War. You, you can pass this on to someone who has or is or you're going to be parenting or you're a grandparent. And when I say rightly, I mean God's way, okay? That's the, that's the simple definition. In, in our section tonight, in verse 23 through 29, Moses is the focus. If you've been with his son, we've talked about Abraham. We've seen Noah. We've seen these different people. Moses is the focus. Obviously, Moses is one of the heroes of, of the Bible, and especially to the Jewish people. I mean, he, he came along when they were captive in Egypt for 400 years. God used him to free them. He, uh, the Ten Commandments God gave to Moses, and God said, Moses sees me face to face. I mean, so he was obviously a hero to them and us. Eleven times in the book of Hebrews, Moses is mentioned. In verse 23, it begins, It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king. How many of you know some unusual children? (laughs) Uh, that was certainly my parents said, he's an unusual child. We said that about Alicia. She's an unusual child. But, but literally here, and this would be Alicia, not me, uh, unusual meant beautiful. It meant goodly. It meant special. Now, that's Moses. They, they, when Moses was born, this is a unique baby. Now, back up just a little bit. The Pharaoh, the king, who is the, I mean, he is the Hitler of Egypt. He's got complete dictatorial control. He has passed an edict, uh, edict that said that 
Jewish male boys were to die. He was threatened by the growth of the Jewish nation. So he said, Brandon, here's how we'll eliminate them. We'll just kill all the baby boys. And so you know that was happening. But Moses' parents made a tremendous decision by faith, which took faith and trust and commitment in God to say, we are not going to kill this child. He was a goodly child or something special. But, you know, Psalms 30, 139 says every person's special, doesn't it? Every person's a creation of God. All of us are unique. I love in verse 23, it says, They were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It's always easy to jump ahead 3,000, 4,000 years and forget some of this. Now, he, he was going to probably kill parents who refused to obey this. You, you got me? And so there were probably parents that were being killed, and there were parents that were giving in and killing, if you can imagine, their baby Jewish boys. The word fear there is where we get our English word phobia. It means to put to flight. It means to be frightened. And you know what? They said, we, we trust God. We're going to have faith in God, and we're not going to do this horrible thing that's being commanded. Everything with Moses and so much of what's going to happen in the the Old Testament starts with this decision, doesn't it? What if they would have given in? What if they'd have been afraid? What if they hadn't trusted God enough to spare the life of this child? What they did is they put him in a little basket at a certain age, and lo and behold, the king's daughter comes, the Pharaoh's daughter, and Moses' mother gets to raise him and nurse him, and then later he's raised in the palace. They did not know any of that on the front end. See, we know the back end of the story, don't we? Oh, it's pretty easy to obey God if you know you're going to put the baby in the river and a crocodile's not going to eat him, and the king's daughter's going to come, and he's going to be raised in the palace. My parents would have put me in the Mississippi River if they'd have known that was going to happen. Probably would have anyway, but... It took faith for them to do this. Are you following me? You know know what? It takes faith to parent rightly today, doesn't it? Let let me give you some some ideas on this. If you're a parent or you're a grandparent or you're talking to parents, you make decisions, I hope, for your young kids. You need to make the time decisions in their life, not them. You need to make the priority decisions in their life, not them. You need to make decisions in their life that that go to every corner and area of their life. What they do, what they wear, what they buy. And that's pretty hard to do. It's pretty hard for a lot of parents to do. I can promise you that. Because everybody else is getting to do it. All the other kids are getting to do this or do that or wear that or go this place. And, And you've got to stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to make a faith decision to raise my kid the way God says, not the way the world does. The sad thing is, is the the church now is raising their kids just like the world in a lot of ways. We've just kind of closed our eyes and said, oh, we got to go along if we're going to get along. No, you don't. But that takes faith, doesn't it? Mom and daddies, you are planting, grandparents, you are planting the faith seeds in your life's child right now. Or you will be. My parents were imperfect like everybody else, but some things they did right was they said, we're going to follow God, and they planted those faith seeds. I didn't know what faith seeds were. 
I, I didn't know when they said we're not going to work on Sunday. All I knew is, thank God we didn't have to work on Sunday. Because my father was a Pharaoh. <laughs> but daddy believed, strangely, you could make a living in six days. And take one day off and worship God. My dad loved sports, but you know what? We didn't play ball on Sunday. Ooh, it's a tough subject today, isn't it? But he thought, you know what? If my boys are good enough athletes, they're going to be good enough athletes by taking a day off too. And there were times I remember wanting to go places and do things, and my parents said, no, you're not going to do it. But everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is having that opportunity, and you're not going to do it. Because they wanted to parent God's way, which took faith, which was the right way. Mom and Dad, you're planting the seeds of faith or the seeds of the world in your kids. Everything else in this story starts, it's birthed out of the fact that Mom and Daddy had enough faith to be godly parents. Parents, I want to challenge you parent rightly, but it takes faith to do that. Here's the second thing. It takes faith to live for God as an adult. Does it as a kid? Absolutely. As a youth? Absolutely. As an adult? Absolutely. Look in verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Wow. Easy to read that and go on, but let me tell you a little bit what that meant. Pharaoh's daughter, the king's daughter, took him in. He was raised in the palace. We don't know for sure whether he was the heir to the throne, but he was a part of the empire and part of the kingdom. F.B. Meyer, who was a preacher many, many years ago, listen to what he said that he had discovered about being a part of the royal family in Egypt. When Moses, as a young man, would have ridden through the streets and In uh, Egypt, people might have ran before him telling people to bow down as royalty came through. Can you imagine that? That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? When they they would go down the Nile River, the central river there in Egypt, they, they did it on what was called the Golden Barge. Wouldn't that have been cool? Most of us do it in just a flatbed boat with a paddle. They were in the Golden Barge. Egypt in Moses' time what historians say, was wealthy beyond wealth. In other words, Moses grew up with opulence and wealth like you and I cannot even imagine. But he made a choice. It says when he grew up, it wasn't a rebellious choice of a teenager. When he grew up as a mature person to go another direction, look in verse 25. He chose to share the oppression of God's people his people by birth, instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, he chose the oppression, the ill treatment of his slave kinfolk of God's people versus living in the palace. And look in verse 26. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, that's jumping ahead. He was suffering for the sake of God. They're using our language there than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for his great reward. What do you think about this? Moses knew in his heart, and I guess from his upbringing, from his mom as a child, he knew those Jewish people were his people, and he knew God was telling him that's how he needed to be identified with and how he needed to live. 
Oh, well, that's an easy decision, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Leave your palace where you're treated literally as a god. The Pharaoh, the king, was considered a god. When you had anything you wanted at any point, and now you're going to go live as a slave because it's the right thing to do and because you're looking ahead to what God's got in store for you eternally. How many of you know who Martin Sheen is? Martin Sheen is an actor probably more infamous today for being the father of Charlie Sheen. 20 years ago, Martin Sheen was trying to make a great statement about homelessness. And so he went one night in Los Angeles and he slept on the streets for one night. Came back to his mansion in Hollywood, and the homeless people thought he really meant this, so they began to come to his house and sleep in his yard and sleep out uh, in his driveway. And Martin decided, I'm never going back to the streets again, and I want the police to get them out of here. It's easy to suffer for night, is I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying that's easy. Years ago, in a major city in America, a mayor bought a place in a Government-owned house, housing projects, moved in, going to identify with the people of her city. Now, the, the thing that the press didn't let out originally, she kept her opulent condo in the other part of town. But after a few months, she moved out of the housing project, just said she couldn't work effectively there, and she went back to the rich area of her town. I'm not knocking her. I'm just saying it's really hard. It's really hard to truly give up pleasure It's even wrong pleasure for right things. This this is what the Bible says Moses did. If you're taking notes, I don't know who said this, but this is so good. Moses had his eye on the eternal and the internal victory instead of the external and the temporary victory. Did you get that? His, his eye was on the eternal, not the temporary. It was on the internal, not the external. You're an adult. How many times do you, you just gossip instead of telling people, don't say that? Or, or you don't participate because you want to fit in. Or maybe it's the parties you go to or the people that you hang around. And we all know that doesn't end when you're, you're 14. That's still going on, a joke we're going to say, at the nursing home. Because to live for God and to make the right decisions, to not chase the dollar or popularity or to be, I guess, in the elite of Lincoln Parish, if it means you've got to compromise, a whole lot of people would say, you know what? I'd rather be popular for 20 years and wealthy for 30 years than I would be to suffer for Christ if it's the right thing to do. I want to challenge you this evening. What the Bible says about Moses is he chose the eternal victory over the short term. And that takes faith. That takes faith. Here's the third thing. It takes faith to obey God when it doesn't make sense. My goodness, that might be the theme of chapter 11, verse 28. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so the angel of death would not kill the firstborn son. If you're taking notes, all this is found in Exodus. This is in Exodus chapter 12. 
This is the last of the ten plagues. Remember, God was trying to get Pharaoh to let the Jewish people go. He was also trying to teach Pharaoh a lesson. Pharaoh wouldn't learn the lesson. Finally, here's what God said. The angel of death is coming to town. You hear that, you need to pay attention to what God says next. Amen? (laughs) The angel of death is coming, and he's going to kill every firstborn man, human or animal, in every household. You women are going, that's no big deal. I'm a firstborn male. That's a big deal to me. Not sure about my animals, where they fell in their litter order. I know where I fell. <laughs> my dad was a firstborn male. So here's what God said. Kill a one-year-old lamb or goat. You're going to eat that quickly. Unleavened bread. This is the Passover. And you take the blood from that goat or lamb, and you basically paint, or you know, you, you, you push the, the blood on the top of the door frames, and on the sides. How many of you think that's odd? Pretty odd. Guess how many times that the people in the past had done this up to this point? Zero, none, nada. So Moses goes home and he Googles this. What does he find? (laughs) Zero, right? You have a deacon's meeting, and the deacon, we've never heard of this before. must be Methodist. I mean, we don't know what's going on. But for some reason, thank God, Moses said, you know what? We better do this. Doesn't make sense. It's weird. And again, we, we move ourselves so much from the emotions of it. People had to be saying, this is dumb. Why are we having to do this? Because these Jewish people were Jewish, but they were Baptists. They grumbled. They complained. <laughs> Laugh. That's not supposed to be funny. You're not the grumblers. It's the ones that don't come on Wednesday nights. But the Jewish people do it. And guess how many people, male Jewish people, died that night? And it says in every household in Egypt, there was suffering. What's God telling you to do right now that doesn't make sense? Too old, I'm too young, I don't want to do it. That's our number one excuse, I don't want to do it. And we are intellectual, a lot of us are, a lot of you are. If it doesn't make sense, if you you can't line it up, you're not going to do it. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, God's ways are not your ways. God's thoughts are not your thoughts as high as the heavens are above the earth or his thoughts and his ways above ours. God's not going to always make sense. Amen? And so it takes faith when God's telling you to do something that you don't want to do or that's uncomfortable are that no one's done before. But God is in the business of bringing that havoc into our lives, isn't he? Always for our benefit. I say havoc in a joking way. But I think God does. I think God smiles and goes, you know what? I'm going to just test them. I'm going to make them paint some blood on doors tonight. (laughs) It takes faith to obey God when it doesn't make sense. To trust God when it doesn't make sense. I read a story this week of a lady had a baby that lived about a year, about, about a half a year. They said when the baby was born, it was terribly sick, many problems, and they prayed and they begged God to heal the baby. God didn't heal the baby. They prayed and asked God to give them more time with the baby. God didn't give them more time 
with the baby. They asked God to supernaturally remove their grief and suffering, and they didn't, God didn't remove their grief and suffering. And here's what she said at the end of the story once they got past the hump. She said, we now know what God just wants us to trust him through it all. Trust him through the suffering. Trust us through the pain. Trust him when we didn't understand and it didn't make sense. And she said, now I know God just wanted us to see he was going to be with us every step of the way and that we can trust him. Takes faith to follow God when it doesn't make sense. And here's the fourth thing this evening. It takes faith to move forward when you want to sit still. How many of you get comfortable sitting still? Except at church, and you're going, where are we going to get out of here? But everywhere else in life, you get comfortable. Verse 27, it was by faith Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, not having a phobia of it. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Now, scholars differ. Was this talking about when Moses killed the guy 40 years earlier? I don't think it was because it says Moses was afraid of the Pharaoh, doesn't it? And he left. I think he's talking about when he got ready to leave with all these people, this gang of of Jewish people who weren't always very happy to go with him. Verse 29, it was by faith the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they all drowned. This is Exodus 14. Pharaoh lets them go. Pharaoh decides, we've just lost about a million free laborers. That's a bad deal, isn't it? Moses just showed me up. I am the king. I am a god. We're going to go get them. I think probably what they're going to do is kill Moses and then bring them all back. And I guarantee you, because of the history here, many of those people, when they saw the army coming, they were going, oh, my goodness, let's quit. Let's surrender. We'll throw Moses under the bus or under the chariot in this case. Let's go back to Egypt. They said that a lot, didn't they? Why'd we leave Egypt? Let's go back to Egypt. It's better being a slave than it is following God when it's mysterious and it's hard. And then Moses is God, who knows, two million people, and they're at a sea. How many of you ever been to the ocean? Next time you're at the ocean, look at the water and go, what do we do if the enemy's behind us who are very mean? And then on each side you've got mountains. How many of you agree that's a bad spot? In Tennessee, we said that's a rock, in between a rock and a hard place. There's nowhere to go, right? And the people are grumbling. They're upset. They're probably taking a vote. Every time they voted, it went bad. Remember that. And God says, trust me. You want to quit? You want to go back to Egypt? That's not what I want you to do. An east wind comes and it blows the ocean apart and the ground dries enough that a million or so people go walking through the ocean. And then the Egyptians say, that's a pretty neat trick. We don't believe in their God, but we'll follow them. And what happened? They all died. You know, I, I don't know why we are this way, but we, we do. We like to get in our spot and sit and soak, don't we? And I'm not talking about church. I'm just talking about life. And we need, listen, there's times we need to rest and we need to stop. We need to do that every once a week. It's called a Sabbath. You need a vacation. But, but a lot of us, we get into places where we just, we just get satisfied and comfortable, don't we? Well, that's a bad spot to be in if you're a Christ follower. Bad spot to be in if you're a church. Church, 
I, I believe this with all my heart, that you're never really sitting still as a business, as a church, as a Christian. It may be ever so slightly, but you're moving forward or you're moving backwards. You're, you're never really sitting still. And I want to ask you this evening... Will you trust God and move forward when you'd rather stay in the comfort zone that you're in? Man, that we'd have to move. Oh, we'd have to stay. Sometimes that's just as bad. I'd have to change a job or I'd have to go back to work or I'd have to retire. I'd have to rework my finances. I'd have to make decisions. I'd have to... If God's telling you to do it, the only right decision to do it is to march through the Red Sea, isn't it? You have to make a decision whether I'm going to sit still and miss God. By the way, 80% of churches in America are plateaued or declining. They're dying. You know why? A huge, some of it's geography where they are. No question about that. We got too many churches in the South. That's a problem. But a lot, here's, a, here's a bigger problem is a lot of them at some point decided we are comfortable. And they've been sliding backwards since the 50s, 60s, or 70s. Are you willing to say with God, God, I'll follow you even when I don't want to? There's an interesting little part in the end of verse 27, if you'll look at it with me. It was by faith Moses left the hand of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes, a continual action on the one who is invisible. There's a story told about Napoleon Bonaparte. I think we have a picture of Napoleon. I asked Jamie to find his senior high school picture, see if he did. No, that's not it. That before big battles, and Napoleon had some faults, no question about it, but he was a very successful (laughs) dictator, leader. And before big battles, he would give the battle plan out. They would discuss it with all the people. And then he would go in his tent, and his top leaders, who were going to be commanding troops on the field, would stand outside. And one by one, they would come into his tent. Total silence. No one was to say anything. He would stand, they would stand, and they would look each other in the eyes, and he would shake their hand, and they would leave. Did that with all of his commanders. Here's what Napoleon said. I want them to go to battle after they've seen my face. And by seeing, now a little egotistical, by seeing my face, (laughs) they'll be encouraged. They'll trust my plans. They'll be willing to die for me and for France. They'll be motivated to lead the troops forward after they've seen my face. You know what kept Moses going? He kept his face on the Lord. What what some of us need to do tonight is we need to have a fresh face-to-face with God. You know what you need to do in the morning when you get up before you start checking emails and Facebook and Instagram? You need to have a face-to-face with God. You know what you need to do in the middle of the day when you get a little time? You need to, you need to have a face-to-face with God. And, and I got the feeling if we would spend enough time one-on-one with God, how we parent, how we live as an adult, 
how we handle those things that don't make sense and, and how we're willing to move forward when we don't want to move forward will be radically altered. You're here this evening and you're, you're not a Christian. What, what that ultimately means is you've never, you've never had a face-to-face with God. I want to encourage you tonight when we stand to come and give your life to Christ. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can do that when we stand. You can do that after church. You're a Christian. I want to challenge you tonight. Maybe it's a fresh face-to-face you need to have with God. Maybe there's some real repenting you need to do from ways you haven't been obeying Him. But let's make a commitment to live by faith. Keep that ingredient in everything we do, and we are, so we can experience all God wants us to experience. Let's stand. You come now as God leads us.